0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. For Thy glory I will lift my voice and sing O Calvary's Lamb, O Righteous One sinners died whose sins were none. All that I have, all that I am, I owe to thee I shall see thy holy face, I'll bow to thee before thy throne with those redeemed. Unto thee, O Lord, I'll lift my voice and sing, O Calvary's land righteous one. For sinners died whose sins were none. All that I have, all that I am, I owe to thee one for sinners die that I am. I owe to thee
1: famous trials throughout history hasn't there? There's a lot of fascination with trials and drama uh, there was even a whole TV station at one point uh, made for trials and so forth court TV. Today we're going to be in the book of, in the book of Mark chapter number 14 and we're going to be preaching and looking a little bit at the trials of the Lord Jesus Christ and considering if Jesus was ever guilty of anything, I'll tell you it was this it was for loving us Amen. And uh, we'll see some things that he was accused of. But the greatest thing Jesus ever did was go to the cross for us. And the point is, he wasn't guilty of doing any sin or doing any wrong. uh, But the reason he paid the consequences like he did was because of his love and his care for me. And I sure do thank the Lord for his grace and mercy in that way. In Mark chapter number 14, verse number 53, the Bible says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him... "...there were assembled all of the chief priests and the elders and scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even unto the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together." And there arose certain that bare false witness against him, saying, "We heard him say, "I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another uh, made without hands." But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, "Answerest thou nothing. What is it which these witnesses, these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? In Matthew, you find out that he, the high priest, actually spoke in an oath, and he said, I adjure thee by the Son of God, or I adjure thee by God. So it prompted Jesus to give this answer in verse 62, I am Ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need have we of any further witness? Have ye heard the blasphemy? What think ye? And they all condemned him to be uh, guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face, And to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophesy, and the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And we'll pause reading right there for the moment, and then we'll read some verses in chapter 15 also. For one thing, I want you to consider for a moment that when you read the Word of God, many people do not realize that... When you look at the trial of Jesus, it was really divided into six different phases and and, and then then into three of those. So in other words, first of all, we're reading about when Jesus was was tried by the Hebrews. We're, We're reading when he stood before his countrymen, those that were blood kin to him, as it were, on his mother's side. And He was standing there to answer the Hebrews. And so the very first person he stands before, according to John chapter 18, verse 13, was a man by the name of Annas, Uh, Annas. Now, Annas was the father-in-law of the current high priest, Caiaphas, but this man Annas was from what, uh, he was about 70 years old, a very wicked old man. But Jerry Vines said about Annas that he was the head of the religious mafia of that day. Annas was the one who was in charge of the very lucrative business of the temple shops. Do you remember what Jesus thought of the temple shops? Do you remember what Jesus thought of the people who were trying to make merchandise of the people of God and were trying to run the house of God, the, the, temp, the place of prayer, the place set aside to be a name for God? that he turned over those temples. Thank you, sir. And so as we consider uh, that he had to stand before this man, Annas, to start with. And by the way, Jesus turned over twice the, the, t- the money changers in the temple. And with that, on one of those occasions, if you'll remember, that's when some of those religious dudes are like, this, he's got to go. He's messing with our money. He's got to go. So he had to stand before Annas. And then from Annas, he went to stand before Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the certain high, the, the high priest. So, John 18 24, the Bible says, Now Annas had sent him away bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, again, there's such irony when you read through this. And we, I, I want you to pay attention because I won't be able to highlight it all. But it's amazing the, the attitude of religion toward Jesus Christ and the religious establishment toward Jesus Christ, the the, the absolute vitriol toward him. It's terrible. But here's the man that's the high priest. He's the man who is supposed to go into the Holy of Holies once a year and represent uh, the people to God and then God to the people. But yet this is the evil man that is conspiring to have the very God that he is supposed to represent, the Son of God, killed. So he stands before Caiaphas, and, then, and, and that's what we just read about. We just read through him standing before the Hebrew people, and then after that, he had to go stand before the Sanhedrin. That was a group of about 71 uh, uh, Pharisees who also asked him questions and so forth. So the first three phases of the trial were before the Hebrews. The next three phases of the trial were before the heathen. Uh, The Bible says in Matthew 27, verses 1 and 2, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So he was tried before the heathen. Now... When you put all the gospel records together is when you get many of the details that I'm sharing with you this morning. And what you'll find out is that the Hebrews, after he stood before Annas, Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, then he was sent to Pilate. But then Pilate, when he found out he was a Galilean, he sent him to Herod. So he goes from Pilate to Herod, and then Herod sends him back to Pilate, as we'll see in just a moment. But we'll read with that in our minds. In Mark chapter number 15, Mark 15, where the Bible says, And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes, the whole council, and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Nothing. And Pilate asked him again saying, "Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many of these they these things they witness against thee." But Jesus yet answered nothing. So that Pilate marvelled. Now, at that feast he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they would desire. And it tells us how he was going to give them the opportunity to release Barabbas or Jesus. But in verse 9, But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew, verse 10, For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people. That word moved is uh, where we get the word seismic from. Uh, That word moved means that they really shook things up. Moved the people. To do what? To that that they should release Barabbas unto them. And then Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called the Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple. And they plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with the reed, And they did spit upon him. Bowing their knees, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him... They took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to to crucify him. But it just begs the question, if this man is being tried and treated like a criminal, what did he do wrong? But I'm telling you, ultimately, the reason he was going and suffering through every bit of this is because he loved me. And I want to tell you today, it's because he loved you. And if we could just get a fresh glimpse of the cross, and realize all that Jesus did for us. They had Jesus accused. They accused the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really interesting. The Bible uh, tells us about many of the accusations they made. It tells us about some of their procedures that the Jews especially have. But the Jews themselves, they broke about over 20 of their own laws in the way that they tried the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one thing was for sure about what the Jew, some of the Jews claims against him. He claims to be God. That's blasphemy. Well, he did claim to be God, but it wasn't blasphemy because he is God in the flesh. And so that, that, that part was true. He claimed to be the king. And when he, when he stood before Pilate, that was the big charge there because he was the king. Now, Jesus wasn't here to set up his kingdom at that moment. But nevertheless, you can see some of the things that are true, but nonetheless, Jesus was accused. Those Jews did everything in their power to have Jesus crucified. We've read in about the false witnesses. When we think about the accusations, there were many that Jesus was accused of. But I tell you, there was one that they accused Jesus of, perhaps not at this trial, but earlier in Luke Chapter number 7, verse 34, where Jesus said that the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber. And here's what they were saying of him, a friend of publicans and sinners. Amen. I mean, listen, a friend of publicans and sinners. He was guilty of that. Now, not guilty of doing something wrong. Wrong by the culture, but I'm glad he wasn't worried about what the religious establishment. Listen, while these guys were trying to crucify him... They were worried about their purification. They were worried about maintaining their holiness. They said, oh, well, we don't want to crucify Him on this holy day, and we don't want to defile ourselves in this and in that and the other thing. All the while, they're trying to crucify the Son of God. It shows you the deception of religion. And I'm telling you today, folks, religion is still just as repulsive. When they try to put on the same level their church, their rituals, their preachers and their priests and and, and their traditions on the same level as the Word of God. Folks, when they try to put uh, any religious work in, in place or alongside of what Jesus has done, I'm telling you, it's still blasphemy in the sight of God. They're still spitting on Jesus Christ. But that's what they did. They were such hypocrites. But he was a friend of publicans and sinners. Why? Oh, why was he going through and and, and facing what he was about to face here in these verses? We see that he was arraigned. He was accused. He was arraigned. We see, see that he was abused. The Bible says we read verse 65 of Mark 14, and some began to spit on him. This was the Hebrews spitting on him. In a little bit, it was going to be the Gentiles spitting on him as well. They spit on him. Can you imagine that? As they they then would hit him and slap him. And now think about this for a moment. The Bible says that they put a, a bag of some sort, they covered his head. And they began to buffet him, which is to, to hit him with a closed fist. They began to slap him with the palms of their hands. And then mockingly they would say, Prophesy unto us, who smote thee? You ever thought about this? He knew who was smiting them. If, if he would have wanted to, he could have spoke up and say, You're Dan. I can tell you some things about you, Dan. I can tell you what you've thought, where you've been, where you were born. And I just want you to know I'm going through every bit of this for you as he would hit him again. And as Chad would punch him across the face, I know who it was that just, that's Chad. And that's the one. I know the one who just spit upon me. And that's the one that I'm going to the cross for right now in a little bit. You're the one for whom I am suffering. We see the abuse, that foul spit. Can you imagine with me? The Son of God, Jesus Christ. The pure, the holy one, as ungodly men, would spit in his face. just That that, that foul spit running down the face of our Savior. You talk about the humiliation, the abuse that that he was incurring. Oh, and I want to say, I've already said it about religion, spitting in the face of Jesus. But many in the world we know today are still spitting in the face of Jesus. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ still loved men enough to come and die on the cross. Oh, He says, I'll forgive you, I'll save you, even though men by their actions today still spit in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, as we just think about all of that that He had to go to, Oh, the Bible says that they begin to buffet him, to strike him with the palm of their hands. But here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 50, verse 6. Jesus said this, I hid not my face from the shame and the spitting. I didn't hide my face. As as they spat upon me, as they mocked me, as they hit me, I hid not my face from the shame and spitting. Jesus came into this world to be the Savior of the world. And what did men do but slap him and punch him and spit upon his face? Oh, the abuse that Jesus had to take on that day. He suffered there as a guilty man. He suffered there as some sort of horrible man that had done great, awful things, yet he did nothing wrong. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. The Bible says in Mark 15, verse 2, of course, art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, the Bible says, he answering said unto him, thou sayest it. And later he said that he asked him another question and Jesus answered nothing. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. There was things that Jesus could have said, especially among the Jews. They were violating so many of their laws that could have got him off. He he could have played things just right, but folks, that's not what he did. He opened not his mouth in, in that way because he as a lamb was laying down his life as a sheep before her shears is done. Jesus, by the way, was in total control of this whole situation. He was the master of this situation. In fact, the Jews said, we're not going to crucify him on a feast day. But that's exactly what God determined would happen. Because as the lambs would have been been sacrificed, the Passover lambs, the Lamb of God was being sacrificed. He was in control of all of this. The Jews bumbled the case again that Jesus with appropriate words could have got right off. But then notice what the Bible says in Mark chapter 15, verse 15. The Bible says, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Now, when they would take a person to be scourged, they would strip this person before the people, before these mocking, cruel Roman soldiers, these men who were trained in cruelty. Now, I've heard different ways that whether they would uh, lay someone over to where they'd stretch the back, hang them on a post to stretch their back. But one thing's for sure, they would find a way to stretch the back out as tight as all the tendons and everything could be in the back. There would be at least one Roman soldier, sometimes two, that would begin to take a whip that was often called the cat of nine tails because it was a, was a, a whip that had nine other Whips, uh, sections that went off of it. And if that weren't bad enough, within those tassels that went off from the whip, there would be pieces of of, of sharp rock or bone or lead. And and they would begin with that back tight and taunt. And they would begin, I'm talking about men who knew how to use these whips, and they begin to scourge Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalms? He said, they plowed furrows in my back. Oh, he says that he he hid not his face from the shame and the spitting, but he also said that he was allowing his back to be scourged. He says in Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters. And I've mentioned this before, but quite literally, the pain of this would have been just incredible. And it wasn't an uncommon thing when this was happening. As I've said before, it wasn't uncommon for someone to actually die of what's called debowment. In other words, there's, nothing le- there's no skin, there's nothing left to hold, uh, hold his insides in. Many people would die right there from this scourging. But they took him from this scourging and then they began to mock him and put a robe on him, put the crown of thorns upon his head. Think about that. Uh, those stripes, the Bible says, in Isaiah 53, verse 5. Oh, he was wounded. Why? What did he do wrong? What is the cause of all this? The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed healed from the disease of sin and its sad consequences. Oh, He went through that for you and for me. Jesus was going through the suffering and the agony of scourging that would lead to the death on the cross because He was taking mine and your stripes. Please don't attempt. I say this to you and I say it to me as well. Please do not attempt to minimize your sin. He was scourged for our sins. And the Bible says in Mark 15, 17, and they clothed him with purple and they plaited a crown of thorns and, and put it about his head and, and they hit him with the reed. And as those thorns, those, those Middle Eastern thorns that could grow up to six inches long, uh, sharp and, and long, as they br- broke into his brow and as the blood ran down his face, we're reminded of something that happened in the Garden of Eden. When because of the curse of sin, God said that thorns and thistles would grow. And what it tells us is that Jesus was carrying our curse. They they did everything they possibly could to humiliate the Son of God when He was tried that day. And you say, what was it? If he was guilty, folks, it was, could have been of only one thing, and it would have been guilty of loving you and loving me. You said, why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned. He never did anything wrong. But he went because there was death to be paid. Your death, your separation from God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All of it, Jesus was enduring. Your separation from God. Your separation from God in this life. And then ultimately, the horror and the tragedy of the separation from God for all eternity. In hell and then ultimately, a place called the Lake of Fire. Jesus endured all that. Oh, my friend, the Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. But that included Dan. That was doing the hitting and chad. That was doing the slapping and every one of us that are responsible for this. Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his... Oh, how he loves you and me. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, my friend. There was a song written some time ago, and it went something like this. It said, uh, Pilate said, "Behold Behold the man, I find no fault in him. If they could have just understood that he was guilty of loving them. He was tried, convicted. And sentenced to die for a crime that no one understood, yet they shouted, Crucify. Pilate said, One shall go free, so which men will it be? They cried, Jesus has to die. He was guilty of loving me. There was no fault found in him. There was no evil found. Yet God's precious holy lamb was nailed to a tree. If tender mercy was his only crime, so that grace could be yours and mine, then Jesus was guilty of loving me. If he was guilty of anything today, it was for loving you and loving me. And I ask you today, the Jews, they already had their ulterior motives. No fault of accepting him. Pilate stood there puzzled and had to make a verdict. And I ask you today, what is your verdict? How do you find When it comes to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you say, I choose to remain neutral. Not an option. Not an option. You can either bow before Him sincerely or you can bow before Him in mockery. You can either bow before Him and, and with, with, with tears coming out of your eyes or, or a broken and, 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 uh, and repentant heart, or you can spit in His face and smite Him. What is your verdict today? Pilate said, what shall I do with this man? What shall I do with this man? Every one of us have to make a choice about Jesus today. Oh, and I realize that many of you self oh, you don't understand. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I don't need to make a decision. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. He purchased your freedom. He purchased your salvation. Will you go back into bondage? Will you stay into bondage? Will you continue? When Jesus said, I want nothing more, nothing more than you to live the abundant life, Jesus had a vision of you and of me. The Bible says, "Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And he says, why, Jesus? Why did you do that? He tells us. He said, I did it so you'd have life. I wanted you to be saved. I wanted you to know him and know me. And I wanted you to forever live with me. But he said, that's not all. He said, I wanted you to have abundant life. Jesus has a vision for your life. Are you living that vision Or are you living that life that he purchased for you? Oh, listen, you said you don't understand. I I, I can't do it. That's why he did it. He did it all. And he will empower you through the power of the Holy Ghost of God, through the power of the Word of God. Oh, my friend, don't take sin lightly. Don't excuse your sin. It's that sin that smote him. And I'm telling you, your sin and my sin still does that today. What is your verdict? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. I'm reminded of, of uh, well, one, one of our missionaries and one of my dear friends, James Ruckman, and, and I'm reminded of his grandfather. It's a, it's a glorious story how that, 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 uh, many in Brother Ruckman's family began to come to Christ. His, his dad come to Christ and, and, and his mom came to Christ and, and, and others began to come to Christ. It was a glorious thing. Matter of fact, the pastor of their Lutheran church came to Christ by listening to an evangelist uh, on the radio, Oliver B. Green, out of Greenville, South Carolina, back in the day. And he began to preach the gospel, and more people get, began to get saved. I mean, uh, he got kicked out, and they went and started another church, from what I remember. But, uh, but they went to the Grandpa. This grandpa that had sat on a church pew his entire life, sprinkled as a baby, dedicated, confirmed in the church, just like Pastor Ruckman's dad and others had been too, but then they saw, well, that's all well and good, but that's not going to get you to heaven. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. Religion may be good enough to live by, but it's not good enough to die by. And I'm telling you, religion may put you square in the community and with your family, but it will not put you square with God. Only Jesus can do that. And and they went with with a broken heart to their grandfather, and they said, we just want want you to see you know what Jesus did, but he did it for you because nothing else would work. There's no other way. And and with a broken heart, they tried to get him to understand, this is what Jesus did for you, Grandpa. And this was his answer to them. If the Lutheran church can't get me to heaven, I'm not going. How many people have that attitude today? The Baptist church can't get you to heaven. No church can get you to heaven. Jesus is the only one. He did all this for you. And for us to say, that's nice, I got my church though, thank you very much, got my baptism certificate, oh, 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 I would hate to put my faith and trust in Christ, I would hate to admit and profess before people that now I'm actually trusting in Christ and Christ alone. What would the family say? What would the church say? i got a better question for you. What does Jesus say? You're going to spit in his face for the sake of your pride. For the sake of your reputation. Oh, my friend, listen, I'm just trying to get your attention today to say that Jesus, why was he suffering all this? Because he was guilty of loving you. He paid this price. He did all that for you. And the Bible talks about those in the book of Hebrews who are guilty of trampling underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Jesus did all of this because this is the only way. He loves you. Thank God for church, thank God for a church family. Thank God for brothers and sisters that we can share. I love church. I really do. But, uh, uh, because Jesus loves the church. Amen. But when it comes to anyone who is teaching salvation another way, the Bible says let them be accursed. And he repeats it again there in the book of Galatians. So, I ask you again, what is your verdict today? Is it worth it? I always want to come here and start preaching to the young people. Oh, you know, it's so tempting because we want to get the young people. Because don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't be ashamed to stand for Jesus. But I tell you, it's not just the teenagers, is it? It's us as well. Who do we think we are? We're too proud. We don't want somebody to think we're weird. Jesus wasn't worried about too much that day, was he? He cared about one thing, and that's you. Maybe we need to quit caring so much about what people say and start thinking about what Jesus said. Amen? Amen. That's what we need to care about. Oh, people's going to laugh. People's going to make fun. People's going to think, I'm a freak. I don't know what they thought of Jesus that day, but it was a lot worse than that, and it was for you, and it was for me. God help us. Amen? The, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So, what is your verdict today? And then lastly, I'll think, say about this, Jesus endured this mockery of a trial for you and for me. But what happens if you choose not to accept the judgment that Jesus took upon himself? Did you know one day you're going to stand? You're going to be arraigned. You're going to be questioned before God Almighty. The greatest question, honestly, is going to be this. Here's the thing you need to understand. Preach, you don't understand. You talk about hell and the lake of fire and all that business. I'm really not that bad of a guy. You want to know the sin? You don't want to know. You want to know the sin that condemns a man or a woman or a boy or a girl to hell. It's the sin of unbelief. It's just simply the fact, yeah, we got all these other sins, and we will have to answer for every one of those if you stand before God. But ultimately, the sin is the fact of not receiving Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. See, the Bible says that he that that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Long story short, you don't have to do a thing. Oh, I'm a pretty good person. I'm I'm glad. That's wonderful. But when you stand before God, that's not going to hold water because over here, you're going to say, oh, yeah, look at these things I did. And then God's going to say, look what I did. So this, I'd give somebody a shirt off my back. Preacher, Jesus gave somebody the skin off his back. Gee, oh, which do you want? Don't, don't you dare think. And I'm telling you right now, today, will you understand that you're, you're before God? You're standing before God right now. And are you standing before God saying, Lord, look at what I've done. Look at my church. Look at this. Look at that or the other thing. Oh, my friend, and God saying, no, look at what I did for you. Junk that. Paul said, I count it but dung. I count it just a, a pile of just garbage for, the, for, for Christ, for the cross of Christ. And so there's a trial coming. There's coming a day that when those who reject Christ and what Jesus did will stand before God, the righteous judge, no mock trial, nothing done out of order. Revelation 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. How will you stand to face the charges against you? Jesus was silent. Perhaps many will be pleading their cause on this day. But I want you to understand, if you wait until that day, there's only one ultimate verdict. Sentencing, there could be some things involved there, but the verdict is guilty. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, as we stand here today, And if someone comes to the piano, I ask you the question today, what are you going to do with Jesus? What will you do as you stand before God today? Right now? Don't worry about the people around you. What about yourself? You know, one of the reasons Jesus did all that too is so that I've said it already, so that you could live a victorious life in Him. I've already blown that. Shut up quit it okay no you're saying your weakness is more is greater than his power you're saying that what you're not able to do is greater than what he is able to do because he promised he that hath begun a good work in you he is able to perform it till the day of jesus christ oh my friend listen You can live it, amen. Why? Just only by His grace, through His power, through His mercy. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I ask you, what will you do with Him? Hey, let me ask you this Are you ready to accept Him as your Savior? Are you ready to say, I want that? I want you, Jesus. If you are
0: right where you are, you
1: can cry, you can call out to Him from your heart, dear Jesus. I believe that you went to the cross for me. I believe that you suffered this abuse for me. Will you come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and be my Savior? Would you pray from your heart today a prayer like that? With every head every eye closed, perhaps you'd want to pray that now. Dear Lord, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. Lord, I, I, I know my baptism's not going to get it done. I don't trust in anything else today, but I want to trust in you and the work you did when you died on that cross and rose again the third day. Child of God, oh my goodness. Do you believe there's enough, do you believe there's forgiveness in what Jesus did there that day? Do you honestly believe that Jesus didn't see our faults and failures along the way as he was being hit that day? He did. And he took that hit for us again. Here come another slap. Here come another punch. What was that for? That was for when you fell and when I fell. But he resurrected, amen, the third day so that you and I would have power to get it right with God. To get back where we need to be for Him. To not be ashamed. To claim Him and to claim His name. in Jesus' name, I bow before You, Lord. I thank You for going to that cruel, cruel cross for me. I thank You for enduring the shame and the suffering, Lord. All because you love me, Lord. God, I pray if there's anybody here today that has not yet trusted you as their Savior, I pray this would be today. God, I pray if there's someone here today that did accept you as Savior, oh, may they unashamedly let somebody know before they leave, I put my faith in Christ today. I accepted his gift of love for me. lord help us as your people thank you for being so merciful i don't understand how i can be so awful lord and i don't understand how i could ever be ashamed but god you know i am help me not to be help me to remember you in that praetorium hall and you on that cross anytime i begin to worry about what people think about me and my faith lord we thank you for your grace and your mercy Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Make our visitors welcome.